I'm Dave Nordman, the executive editor of the Telegram Gazette, uh, joined on this Voice of Business by Tim Murray, the president and CEO of the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. The show happened, and the Telegram for helping facilitate. Busy week last ni- week, uh, but an exciting week in one of your biggest events of the year. Yeah, you know, other than the Worcester Women's Leadership Conference, our chamber annual meeting is our, our biggest event of the year. Uh, Hundred over a really quite a quite a period of time. And if COVID has taught us anything else, it's reinforced that this is an institution that continues to to play a vital role, not only for our member businesses and the broader business community, but the community at large in the sense of, you know, advocating for issues of public policy and economic development, uh, job creation, workforce training. So uh, it's it's uh, it was a good day. Uh, over 500 people at the DCU Center uh, and uh, the Lieutenant Governor Polito. Uh, who's been in the news along with Governor Baker this past week, uh, serving as our keynote? Yeah, and uh, and for those of us uh, who who didn't have a chance to attend, uh, talk about uh, Lieutenant Gover- the Lieutenant Governor's speech and her message, and and uh, you also gave out some some other awards and recognized plenty of other people as well. Yeah, well, we 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 got the uh, award piece uh, coming up with our, our breakfast club this Thursday, <clears throat> tomorrow, as a matter of fact. That's right. But uh, the the chamber annual meeting, we we were able to thank uh, members who've been served on the board who are leaving, and then uh, nominate uh, new board members who begin their tenure in January on the on the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce board. So there is some business uh, that formally takes place at, at the meeting, and then the lieutenant governor spoke, and you know she, I think her remarks reflected. Um, focus that they want to continue to bring uh, as governor, lieutenant governor, even though they're not running, running, they've announced this week that they would not be running for re-election. Uh, or, or, uh, so, and a lot of it had to do around the pandemic, and, and the lieutenant governor described it as like a three-scene act uh, in terms of how they've tried to grapple with the issue, and we'll continue to have to stay focused on that with the Delta variant, Omicron, uh, you know, getting us through this health crisis is a major undertaking, and 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 they're leading it statewide. The economic imbe- impacts and undercurrents are real, and uh, uh, continuing to try to deal with that. But she also talked about the tremendous opportunity because the federal government has ste- stepped up with the American Rescue Plan Act, the recent infrastructure bill. There are, and the state has been running some surpluses. There is the ability to have. Uh, some important conversations about strategic investments uh, that can help the Commonwealth in different regions of the state, both in the short and long term. So she talked about, you know, those opportunities presenting themselves really were factors in them deciding not to run for re-election, but really focus on those issues in the remaining 13 months that they have in office. Yeah, and you talked to, uh, about uh, the lieutenant governor's message of strategic investments, and I'm assuming many of those investments in her message were right here in Worcester County. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we had a chance to thank her for her involvement on, on a range of issues that have been put in the Central Mass, uh, Worcester Regional Airport, uh, assistance with the Worcester Red Sox, uh, you know, the center pl- high platform at Union Station, some of the housing grants uh, that have helped facilitate uh, new housing investment and affordable housing and workforce housing. So those are all key pieces of the infrastructure dollars. So I had a chance to thank her on that, but also to talk about as we look at state dollars and federal dollars for housing, as we look at those dollars for workforce training initiatives, you know, how do we target and partner with organizations here in this region, businesses in this region, 
that are going to return dividends, you know, for the state and, and the, the country for that matter, both in the short and long term? How do how do we use it to address issues? You know, again, not sexy, but here in Worcester, the city manager and I think with the support of the council have talked about using a significant portion of the ARPA money uh, for water and sewer upgrades. If we've got 30% of the water and sewer pipes under the ground that are 100 years old, by addressing them with this one-time money, those are costs that won't get imposed on rate users, whether they're residential or business. So those are the types of things uh, where, where we've got some real opportunity. Yeah, and obviously uh, yourself and, and members, uh, leadership at the chamber, um, you know, creating those partnerships um, between, you know, the local business community and state government is really uh you know, uh, a big part of what you do. No, it is. And another example of that, Dave, is, you know, we, we worked with a you know, pretty diverse group of organizations on the Worcester Free Fair Coalition, the WRTA, to how do we use some of those federal dollars that came in to continue what was a pilot uh, during the crisis to to allow people to f- ride the WRTA for free. Uh, and we're going to, con- you know, we advocated, I testified that they continue to do that for another year uh, to see if we can get a good sample and template as to whether that is a way to grow ridership in and address some of the equity issues out there that are important for people who may not have access to a car or can't afford Uber and some of these, you know, fee ride places that, uh, you know, the bus allows them to get to work, to get to appointments uh, in a cost-effective way. Yeah, and before we move on, I just kind of want to go back to you mentioned some of these items, some of these agenda items that aren't very sexy in the ARPA. Uh, but, you know, sewer and infrastructure, people think of big projects, but they don't necessarily think of things like that. No, that's right. And, and look, we all love new initiatives and projects and seeing things built, but uh, you can't take for granted the, the stuff that's underground. And, and we saw, you know, we've seen water. Fortunately, we haven't had the crises that that other communities have. Flint, Michigan, where literally people were poisoned and couldn't drink the water. Um, we've got to address those water and sewer infrastructure. We saw during this pandemic the importance how a new type of infrastructure is, which is access to broadband and the internet, critical to businesses, critical to our kids' ability to learn. And so how do we use these these federal dollars to make investments in, in broadband that uh, allows access, not just in terms of the wires, but affordability? Um, so those are all important questions and opportunities with these, these one-time dollars. Uh, it's not often you see the federal government, um, at least in my lifetime, you know, make these types of commitments, and uh, we've got to make sure we use them and, and leverage them. You know, if the state's got surplus dollars and borrowing capacity, how do we make these dollars go f- further uh, is part of the conversation. And you could argue to some extent similarly at the, at the municipal and, and school levels as well. Yeah, and you rattle off a few of the uh, of the high profile things like the airport and the the Worcester Red Sox and Union Station. Uh, but the last one you mentioned was affordable housing, and us also a big part of uh, the agenda moving forward. It is, and that's a uh, you know people, you know, the governor, lieutenant governor, not running again. There's a lot of people going to talk about well, what what can they point to? I mean, certainly, uh, I, I give them credit that that housing has been an issue that they have really talked about as being a priority and. Looks like the legislature is going to move uh, uh, on, on some of those funding recommendations. And it reinforces the housing study that the chamber did back in 2019. We projected that the region would continue to grow at a rapid pace to meet 
those needs. We need to have housing of all different types here, including affordable and workforce housing at people's at all ends of the economic scale. Why is that important? Well, we want Worcester to continue to be unique and maintain its identity, but it's also important for employers if we they want access to workforce and if people can't afford to live in a community it's harder to get workers to come work at your 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 company or your your organization so having housing of all different types you know within the city and within central massachusetts is is an is an important priority of the chamber in, in terms of our long-term economic health and and obviously a great spin-off conversation of uh, the lieutenant governor's speech uh, moving from one meeting to uh, to the next meeting, you have your your breakfast club uh, coming up tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, Michael Bobbitt, tomorrow at Mechanics Hall, uh, 7.30, uh, 8 o'clock, the program starts. But Michael Bobbitt is the executive director of the Mass Cultural uh, Council, and they are a kind of a quasi-state agency that gets state dollars that makes grants to arts and cultural organizations across the state. And we've talked about it, Dave, and I know the city manager mentions it, and you know it's something that I've been involved with back when I was a council. But really, the the arts and cultural community have really played a big role in Worcester's uh, momentum and growth. Um, and whether it's the established institutions, it could be the Art Museum, the Historical Museum, others, uh, the Hanover, even though it's relatively new. Uh, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for forgetting some, Ecotarium, Tower Hill. But the organic groups that kind of come up uh, out of neighborhoods or come up th- because of new arrivals to to the to the country, you know, from uh, to to Worcester from other countries around the globe, they just add a vibrancy and a dynamic that that really is exciting, and um, they've been hit really hard through the pandemic, and so. Some of these federal dollars and state dollars will be going to the Mass Cultural Council, and we want to make sure that the team there and Michael Bobbitt, who's relatively new, recognize the vibrancy that the arts and cultural community play in our, our, our economic well-being as well as our mental health because uh, that that's talked about right now. Uh, the arts can play a huge healing role uh, and, and an economic role for communities. We want to make sure as allocations of dollars take place that the decision makers understand what a diverse group of, of artists and organizations that we have and, and want, want to see them get supported uh, after going through some rough times. Yeah, and, and these are conversations that you have at the chamber with businesses looking to relocate and, and to move into the community. You know, they look at things like uh, entertainment opportunities and in, in schools and things like that. So, um, you know, you mentioned a, a long list of, of things. Um, you know, these are things that, that you know, people look for when they're when they're looking to relocate. Yeah, their companies. Business. You know, the biggest issue is they need they need to attract employees, and employees are going to want to work in communities they can afford that have a lot of interesting uh, options for them, good schools for their kids, and uh, you know, having those arts and uh, uh, cultural venues and opportunities, the experiences, the sports uh, add to, uh, an element to that with the arts and cultural community. So they want to live in a community that where they can learn and be engaged, and the arts play a huge role. Right, and looking at the uh, the, the shiny new video that, that you're a big part of, I mean, uh, arts and culture is a big part of that. It is, uh, and we rolled that out. Well, we rolled it out in October, but we, we did play it for board members at the annual meeting and gotten great response on it. But you're absolutely right, you know, f- f- uh, Featured front and center is our sample, a little sampling of our arts and cultural community. If we, you know, tried to chronicle it all, it'd probably be a good hour. But we we don't we know people's attention span and these types of promotional videos are short. But we tried to capture the role, important role that the arts and cultural uh, organizations play in our community. 
We've got a couple of minutes left. We talked about the uh, the, the annual meeting and the Breakfast Club. Anything else on the on the horizon, Tim? Yeah, we we we, we kind of wrap up uh, on the sixteenth with our last business after hours, which will be at the Greater Good Imperial Brewing Company over on uh, Mill Street. So Millbrook Street, excuse me. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward to being able to raise a toast and 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 look forward to the the Christmas New Year. Holiday uh, and uh, with Hanukkah just recently, you know, uh, behind us, and um, uh, just a toast to 2022 and uh, say goodbye to 2021. I know, and, and I think we were here a year ago. Said we wanted to say goodbye to 2020, and um, you know, we're hoping for good things in the new year. So, um, so great to talk to you as always. We'll do it again uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, that is Tim Murray, CEO and President of the Worcester Regional Chamber of Commerce. I am Dave Nordman, the Executive Editor of the Telegram Gazette. Thanks again, Tim. Thanks, Dave.